0: success and entrepreneurship and just being human, it's, it's a sum of all of these moving parts. And some of those moving parts include rage and anger and doing dumb things and, and being being less than who we are. And I am, I'm that guy too. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better.
1: This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way, so you don't
0: have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership.
1: Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello, welcome to episode 059 of the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson, and it is so great to have you here. If this is your very first show, this is your weekly dose of business savvy, emotional intelligence, and oftentimes a bit of inspiration. I help you master your mindset, dominate your fears Unleash your amazing and live your most effective self. And today, um, I want to share with you that uh, my new company, Brain Trust Partners, is helping uh, large brands connect with their customers in new and more effective ways. We just launched this company uh, just a few weeks ago, and this week, my wife and I are working on a pilot program for Regent Cruise Lines. Uh, We're actually teaching a class uh, to passengers on techniques for telling better stories. Using social media. It's a 10 day cruise beginning in Athens, Greece, and we visit Albania and Croatia, Montenegro, and then we end up uh, our final port of call is in uh, Venice, Italy. So, really, really rough gig, right? Um, we're off to an awesome, awesome start with this company and couldn't be more excited. We've got lots of uh, contracts in the pipeline, things are going great. And while this opportunity is really amazing, the actual act of starting a company in and of itself is a lot of hard work. And what you don't know is all of the behind the scenes and everything that it takes uh, for us to do this company or, or anyone to do whatever they're doing. And it's oftentimes filled with challenges and lots of improvisation and even anxiety. And because no matter how great you think your plan is, there's always risk and unknown variables that you'll have to face. And on today's show, we get to speak with another entrepreneur who knows that reality all too well. His career in business development started in the late 90s as a mortgage banker. And from there, he transitioned um, more formally into real estate where he became the CEO and co-founder of uh, a company called Landmark Insiders and a real estate firm that was focused on kind of bulk transactions throughout the United States and he ran into a lot of conflict when we went through the housing crisis in 2008 and 9 and he shares a little bit of his experience and what he's done since then it's super transparent super vulnerable and I'm I'm really excited for you to to be a part of this um, really candid conversation in addition he's the host of Rules of Success podcast. So today, uh, we have the honor to speak with Bryce Prescott. So let's jump into that interview right now. You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. I'm on the line with Bryce Prescott. Bryce, how are you today?
0: I'm great, Angus. Longtime listener, first-time caller. Thanks for having me on the show today.
1: I love it. Uh, so what is the thing that made you smile the biggest in the last 48 hours?
0: Last 48 hours. Uh, well, we're, we're recording this on August 22nd, so to be fully transparent, Saturday night was a great night watching some UFC fights. Uh, Mr. Conor McGregor found a way to win and made me smile big time. I enjoy watching excellence in all of its uh, splendor. Got a good kick out of that.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, and we were just talking before we came on that... My wife and I, anybody that knows our story knows that we met over UFC and mixed martial arts, and so I'm a big fan. But since we had kids, we don't get to watch it that much anymore. And when I do tune in, it's like I have to relearn all the new cast of characters. Except right. Nate Diaz, obviously, he's been around forever. so I, I think I, I he's like him.
0: 73 years old. I mean, he looks really well, but he's... <laughs> I, I want to make sure, right. though, for the people listening to this, because I know that when you talk about, you know, favorite fighters and things like it really can part the sea. So mm-hmm. I didn't come into that fight wanting McGregor to win. I wanted a great fight. I was really impressed at the difference of how he showed up for this fight versus the one several months ago. Just mm-hmm. full strategy, game plan. He was out of his head. He just stuck to his plan, kept chopping at that leg and uh, just, you know, ended up winning by decision. And so I can, as as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as somebody that I try to seek to be the best I can in any given moment, I loved watching the shift from months ago where he just, yeah. he came in, it wasn't, I mean, he's the biggest trash talker on the planet. So to think that he wasn't emotional in that ring was really impressive to see.
1: Hmm. All right. So let's jump into that from a business perspective. So you now, you run the uh, Rules of Success podcast and you have had opportunities for success yourself. Let's kind of backtrack and kind of bring us forward to how you launched that podcast and what it's about.
0: The, the birth of rules of success is kind of an interesting story because what happened was, um, I'm going to need to give a little bit more space in the context to really, uh, open it up and, and kind of paint the picture of where I was both emotionally and psychologically at that time. Um, you know, I'm in my I'm 41 years old, and throughout most of my career, um, you know, I had a little stint in in uh, the ski industry in my early 20s, and then I got into mortgage banking and real estate um, after that. And in 2008, I uh, had a good friend of mine give me a call. This was right on the, the 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 peak of when things were happening with the mortgage crash and the the credit crisis and things. And I won't go into that too much, but I was able to to get into business with a good friend of mine, and we had a freaking great run for four years, buying and selling uh, post foreclosure real estate. And uh, laws changed in 2011 to where we basically got uh, legislated out of our business model. We weren't able to do what we were doing before. And so we had to shift gears. And at that time, I was left with a bunch of investment properties that were paying me decent on a monthly basis. And so I had a little bit of freedom there. And I decided to try my hand at brokering agricultural commodity transactions. I had all sorts of connections in uh, Brazil from a time that I lived there when I was in my early twenties i I speak the language and know the culture real well I, I just have a great fondness for Brazil and the people there and and uh, throughout the time that i've i 've connected and spent there i 've met and learned. Uh, about that industry there where you know I, I I'd known people that ran co-ops and that were growers and farmers and and then on the other side of the banking uh, when it comes to buying those commodities in bulk and anyway so I ended up meeting a guy that had some great relationships in Southeast Asia and we thought well why don't we try our hand at you know brokering some of these things let's put some people together and see if we can make some money and the the idea of what we were doing was incredible i mean we we were looking at this going we could make not just money, but generational type wealth doing this. And uh, that idea was (laughs) short-lived. It was something we found out after about two and a half, three years of uh, uh, two and a half years more, more fairly of trying to do that, um, that we recognized we just were ill-equipped to do that. It was it was at a level. I mean, we're talking contracts that were hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. We were trying to take a sliver in the middle. And it just, not only that, you're dealing with a global market as opposed to a one here nationally. You, you can't control the players. It's just, it's, it's a lot different. And the final straw for me was in August of 2014, actually. The irony is, is that this day that we're recording this, Angus, I was actually two years ago in Sao Paulo, Brazil, living the story that I'm about to tell you about what became Rules of Success. We had, we had flown to Sao Paulo. I would traveled all over the world. During the course of that time, trying to meet the right players and and do the right things, and you know, that includes several visits to South America, Buenos Aires, and Brazil. And I'm I'm sitting in a bar in Sao Paulo in in our hotel uh, after one of the worst days in my career. We had met, uh, we we had arranged to have this Chinese group come over there to to meet and to see product that we we confirmed that we had. That they said, if you can show it to us, we'll buy it. It was going to be a massive transaction, and so we, uh, me and my partner, we flew down to Brazil at that time, and we were there to meet them. Well, that day, everything had fallen apart. We realized that we'd been hoodwinked a little bit, that the mm-hmm. Chinese group wasn't there just to see us. They were there to see a bunch of other people as well. We had a very short schedule on when we could arrange to show them this product. That schedule fell through. Come to find out that the supplier that we had been working with had hedged, that we weren't going to do this. He actually didn't have the product we needed to show. It was just this big mess. Mm. And so the deal had fallen apart. I was out of money at that time. I didn't know what to do. And I'm sitting there, half drunk, with a steak in my belly, thinking, "What? What is next? I I can't keep doing this. I'm I'm running in a deficit every single month. I'm burning through money I don't have, flying all over the world trying to put these things together that just aren't happening. It was. <laughs> you 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 and I share the same barber. If I had hair, it would have been super <laughs> great, right? It, I, I just was done it. So I, I started just kind of in this sort of drunken spiral thinking about the things that I was passionate about and what really I, I enjoyed. And I noticed a theme in throughout every part of my career where no matter what I was doing, I found myself in a position where I was always helping people traverse uncertainty into certainty, whether it was through knowledge or through perspective or through the, just uh, the, the inception of a new idea to help people think differently. I I was, I was always that guy, whether it was my mortgage or real estate business, whether it was commodities, whether it was just my friendships, I, I was always a good person that way to, to, I I could read something I could, I could ingest and and understand, and I could take a complex idea and I could make it simple. And then I, I a a cut out a little niche in no matter what I was doing, being a guy that could help people understand better. So I'm sitting here on the way down to, to Sao Paulo on that flight. I, it was the first time I had really ever listened to podcasts. Hmm. It was, uh, as you know, it's a, it's a growing market. I, I dare call it an emerging market, if, we, if you will. And I was, you know, I'd, I'd listen to some of Joe Rogan's uh, episodes. I'd listen to Tim Ferriss' stuff. And uh, actually, one of my favorite movie actors had just started a new podcast, uh, Jerry Ferrara. He was the guy that played Turtle in the Entourage series and movie. And uh, he's been in you know Think Like a Man 1 and 2. He's now the attorney on that show Power on Stars. Great guy, wonderful actor. And uh, he had a show that was called Bad for Business that he still runs. And uh, it was actually listening to Jerry's podcast that really kind of got me thinking because It was so lo-fi. Like it was Mm. just him and his buddies and his girlfriend getting together, talking about stuff. The production was fine, but it wasn't anything that you were you know, wowed with. It just was this really – I felt like I was a fly on the wall in a room with people that I wanted to know about. And he said some life lesson type things in a couple of the episodes that I listened to. And I thought to myself, man – what if that's the, the medium? What what if I was to get into that medium? And and so I started looking into what podcasting actually was. I came home from Brazil, started looking into it, had no idea what even an RSS feed was or podcast hosting services, or mm-hmm. or I, I, I didn't know how to run Logic Pro or Audition or any GarageBand, any of those other programs you have to use. I just had this idea. And so I started, I, I reached out to a friend of mine and I said, um, what would you think if we, did this you know it, we if if we were to have this platform have it be kind of this mix of media and entertainment and self-development and make it work and it took us a couple months but we ended up getting it off the ground we we launched on uh black friday of 2014 the day after thanksgiving and it had a different name and there was a co-host and everything we went through that for 12 episodes and and we mixed it up that it just wasn't working mm-hmm. and uh took it on as a solo host after that, had another probably 10 episodes or so. And then I changed the name from what it was to rules of success, tightened it down, made it be less entertainment, less pop culture type of discussions and more in the self-development realm for balancing life. You know, as, as a man, I've noticed several things throughout my entire life that have made big differences for where I'm at today. And one of those things is that Men specifically, we we overlook things in exchange for others, and what I mean by that is we will overlook our health in exchange for our careers, thinking that that's the best move for where we're at at that time. We'll overlook relationships, thinking we need to build our business. Mm-hmm. We will we'll, we'll do all sorts of things that that feel in the moment like that they, they don't feel right, but we justify that uh, that. Unequal balance in our priorities, thinking that the return that we're going to get by sitting in that position is going to be worth the loss, mm. and it just isn't. And so, I, I looked at this. And go, this is something that's important to me. With some of the changes that I had when I got out of uh, the commodities deal, and and some of the scares I had while I was during in it was, you know, I, I was overweight. My relationship sucked. I was drinking too much. I was disconnected spiritually, but I kept trying to hustle for money, thinking that once I you know was able to get that pot of gold, it was going to you know give me the freedom I needed to do all that and and truth be told that is a lie it is an mm. absolute lie that no matter what if we were if, if, if you're as you 're listening to the show, if you were to think what would happen all of a sudden if I had you know put it think of an exorbitant number as far as money you know a $1 billion dollars a hundred million dollars, whatever it is what would change? Well, all of a sudden you'd have this laundry list of things that you would do and the fun of that would wear off after a short period of time. And then you'd go back to the same habits that you had before. And so I recognize like, oh, well, I'd rather design and build a life and then have the money come in as I'm ready than to keep living this crap hole of an existence. I am now hoping to get money. So I took my fitness more serious took my relationships more serious, my spirituality more serious, and ultimately it's helped to grow my business. And so all of those things kind of, I, I use rules of success as a platform to share my experiences as well as to bring on others and get their take because it's a di- it's, its a dialogue I don't think we can have enough, especially mm. for entrepreneurs. We, we need the support of each other to make good decisions for our lives. It's not just about making money. It's about living. So that is, in a nutshell was... You know the seed, the planting, the harvesting and, and and now it's it's uh it's it's continuing to grow and it's it's in that phase where it's you know I'm just trying to scale it and, and get it to the next level
1: but- and for you, you also went and you did some research and found um, access to the science of getting rich, yeah, and kind of built um, an ebook around that, uh, because it was in public domain, if I remember correctly, yep. can you yep. share a little bit about how that played into kind of this story and what you've learned from it?
0: Absolutely. So my, my love affair with that book, which is the science of getting rich by Wallace D Waddles, um, spans back into the beginning of that business. I told you about where we were doing post post foreclosure real estate. I I'd had this somewhat of a, lots of changes in a short period of time in my life. Um, the mortgage market was crashing. I had my friend approach me. We started our business in uh, June of 20... Let's see, what when was it? It was 2009. And we closed our first deal uh, Halloween, actually, of 2009. And I personally, on that deal, between that time and the end of the year, in that two months, I was able to personally make two hundred fifty grand, and then... The next three and a half years, I mean, that was the smallest amount of money we made in that period of time. It was, it was ridiculous. And I credit that growth not only for the timing of the industry, which I have to admit is is an absolute truth that I was at the right time at the right place. But I feel that I was the right person at the right time at the right place because of some things that i had been introduced to. And that's where the science of getting rich comes in. I had uh, my father-in-law actually about a year before had introduced me to a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, and it's a great book. talks about the different uh, the different ways that rich people think versus people that don't have an abundant mindset. And it's a really good book for understanding where you're at. If you if you're not sure if you have an abundance or, or, or wealthy mindset, go read that book and and, and do what it says because it'll help you to, to become clear. Well, that book prompted the opportunity for me to go to some seminars that were put on by the uh, company that T. Harbecker owned at the time called Peak Potentials. And he had this thing called a millionaire mind intensive. It was four days, three or four days. I can't remember exactly, but but several days of really, I mean, you know, 16 hour days, intense work processes, learning the whole thing and very, very impactful for me. When I was there, I was introduced. Uh, when I, actually, it wasn't there. It was when I got home. I was introduced when I got home to, uh, I I started to incorporate a lot of those principles that I'd learned at that event into my business. And that was right at the time when we had started the company that I referenced for real estate. And so I'm I'm going through this, my, 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 my schedule and the way that I was doing things was a lot different from even just a month before, meaning that I was now taking accountability for the thoughts that I was having specific to my success. I was recognizing that you know, a little bit amount of pessimism front loaded on something is effective, but it's not necessary to carry that pessimism throughout. Like I and what I mean by that is, you know, I, I started looking at things going, OK, there's a chance this could fail. Mm-hmm. It's got to be real. Right. What would cause it to fail? Let's focus on those things and, dis- and, and not focus on why it would fail. But let's safeguard against that so that we can be in the creative space of why it's going to succeed. And a lot of that starts in my mind, starts in your mind, Angus, and the the minds of those listening to this, that, that if you if you're willing to recognize that success is an option and inevitability and then be willing to recognize that failure is also an option, you can create mentally a pattern of how you think about things that really does attract success into you, you know. The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, Science of Getting Rich, a lot of the other really impactful books on the market, they they talk about the law of attraction as this kind of magical thing that, you know, you think it and you do it, thoughts are things and, and the whole deal. Well, that's 100% true, but the the unsung hero of the law of attraction is motion. If you're not in motion, you can't attract things. Like there's there's got to be some energetic flow. And so I, uh, I I come back from that event. We start our business. We're having lots of sort of business meetings in Salt Lake City, which is where I'm located. And I'm meeting with different people. And I'm very passionate about the changes that I've had because I'm starting to see results immediately. I'm happier. I'm more hopeful. I, I feel faith differently because I recognize I can succeed. Like, why not me? Why, why not me? If you're listening to this, why not you? Why can't you be the one that succeeds? Mm-hmm. You can't. You just have to be willing to think it right. And then do the, the inspired action, the work after the fact. So anyway, I'm in this business meeting and I actually tell this story in uh, the forward of my book that I, you reference. I'm in this meeting and this guy's talking to me about these other law of attraction type books. And he goes, oh, have, you, have you heard of the science of getting rich? I said, no, no, tell me about it. He goes, here's the thing. That book is pretty much the very first law of attraction type book. There's you know, everybody's heard of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill actually has been quoted to say that he was inspired by Wallace D. Wattles when he went through the process of what he did to write Think and Grow Rich. So Think and Grow, or excuse me, uh, The Science of Getting Rich was, was first published in 1910. And uh, it handles both sides of that law of attraction equation that's so powerful, the thoughts and the actions. Like they are hand in hand. You cannot just sit around Indian style with your hands in the own position, making your your own mm and watch money fall on your head. It just will not happen. You've got to be you've got to do work. You've got to. And, and the beauty of that book is it talks about start in your current place mm-hmm. that you don't need to quit your job or do these different things. You need to start where you're at with a shift in how you think and then watch the opportunities as you stay in motion come anyway. So. One of the one of the challenges of that book, though, and and why I wanted to to add to it. And first of all, I want to I want to make sure something's clear about this. I didn't rewrite the book. I didn't I didn't change anything about the original text. The author wrote it masterfully, and it was not my position to do any shift there. What I did, though, was uh, in relationship to some of the things that are written in that book, and being that now it's 2016, it's it's difficult to understand without the context of the time that it was written in. So I went through. And I added commentary to that book and in the commentary, uh, just gives a different type of perspective than what's there. So to give you an example, you know, he talks about in One of the first chapters, he talks about, um, you know, the railroad trust and that we wouldn't want to compete with the railroad trust. It's like, well, Mm. no kidding. Like railroads (laughs) outdated now, like it's not an emerging market. Why would we want to get into it? Well, at that time, it was huge. It was one of the, it, it was before you know commercial planes and, and the air the airline industry. It was the major form of transportation, and there was some really big players in that business that had you know ninety percent market share of what was happening with railroads in North America. And so, you know, I used an example in my commentary. I was like, well, that would be the same as, you know, let's go compete against Google. I'm going to start a search engine. Probably not the best idea in 2016 if you want to make a living to go compete with one of the biggest companies on the planet. Mm -hmm. So I give that context. And there's other things where I say, you know, please focus on this because when when you consider, like he talks about, in order to really um, to achieve the results you want, you have to think in a quote unquote certain way. And I use that as an opportunity to be like, okay, so let's define what certain means. There's literally several different definitions that all of them apply on how we can think and act in a certain way. Certain means determined. Certain means resolute. Certain means that you are uh, along those lines. You -hmm. you can see where I'm going with that. So anyway, so I I felt that it would be a really good service – to those that were listening to my podcast, Rules of Success, and those who were working with me in a coaching and consulting capacity to have a piece of me that was somewhat attached like a barnacle to <laughs> this great piece of work. Right. And so I went through and edited it. I, the legality of it was it was already in public domain, and so I, I could do it and not have there be any issues.
1: Wow, and pretty genius uh, to be able to access that title as well and kind of match your brand to it. So let's talk about some of that. Um, what are... The rules of his success. Can you give us like three things that you have to be really cognitive of?
0: That is a great question, and uh, the, the 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 irony of you asking me that question is that I don't have them all, and that's part of what I've created with my podcast. Is that you know, especially even on this relaunch, and you're a part of this, is that I'm isolating that now. Before it was just you know an interview, and we would talk about you know success principles and things, but I I, I wasn't isolating rules where now I am. So like, for example, the episode that just went out today, the rule of success was that one of the best ways to accelerate your own abundance and your own results is to be a part of a successful mastermind. Hmm. Find others that you can be intimate with in an emotional way about your journey and share with them details of your business. Be able and willing to be real with those in your trusted circle and you will find that you will, your blind spots will be illuminated. You'll find things that you can do immediately to increase your results and it will head down that path like freight train. Another one that has been really important to me because I've seen it personally in my life and it's actually something that, you know, it has been, it prompted me to get into this space. I've the most successful times in my career. I've always had a personal coach. The times when I was, not successful. I didn't. And, uh, as I say in my intro, success leaves clues. So there's a clue there. So go find yourself a good coach. I don't, I don't care who you find as long as they're good. Allow yourself the opportunity to be held accountable by somebody that uh, cares for you and wants you to succeed in a way that, uh, that is beyond your own vision. Mm. Um, another rule of success, I guess that I would add, uh, since you asked for three was, uh, just, I, I've noticed, and this is another one of those success leaves clues things. Um, back when things started for me on this journey with the law of attraction and, and, you know, secrets of the millionaire mind, the science of getting rich, that whole, that whole kind of foundation mm-hmm. started meditating on a daily basis where I would allow myself 15 to 20 minutes of silence. I, I really like using a guided meditation where I'm prompted in the, in the meditation to do or think certain things. And it allows for me, my experience of it is anyway, that it allows for me a a piece of a a piece of time, a a, a period of time where I'm able to get so relaxed and so quiet and still that the challenges and worries of the day don't exist. And so it's like a, a daily recharge where I'm able just to get quiet, reconsider what's real, as opposed to the forces of of worry that come at you at the beginning of the day, which I, I know I'm not alone with that. It's most people that I've met in either my coaching uh, clients, my my services, my speaking, the different things I do. For whatever reason, we have a challenge in the morning where it's easy to get up and to be in a scarcity-based mindset and to have you know this tension and worry about the day. Well, a great way to avoid that is meditation. And, and just to add to that, um, I've adopted this practice uh, years ago. And I, it's to the point now where I, I can't even get away from this practice if I wanted to, it's, it's so habitual that I, I, I miss it completely. If I don't do it, rise, have a big glass of water, meditate immediately after meditation, take five to 10 minutes and journal, just write whatever thoughts come to my mind, whether they be from my meditation, whether it be just a chance to show gratitude on the page, Or if there's actually things that continue to perceive, that continue to persist, excuse me, with my worries to address those and just allow it to flow out of my arm and be done with it. And then after that, training, not just going and getting on the elliptical machine, but actually like lifting heavy stuff, like go and and get yourself into a regiment that provides you an opportunity to test your body. I do those three things every morning, pretty much six days a week, and it's made all the difference for me. I'm in the best shape of my life. My head is clear. It's it's some. I, I ask all my clients to do the same thing because I lead by example. Like there's there's no there's no issue with uh, with uh, your life if you're addressing that for some reason when when you're in shape and your mind is clear and you're connected spiritually. There's really not problems that that take you down.
1: Mm, that's fantastic. Uh, so I asked for three and we got four. We got daily routine <laughs> added on that. I'd like that added bonus. <laughs> so for you, um, this is you know obviously not been a a story of peaches and cream. And you, you have already shared with us, you know, some of your challenge in terms of business and um, some of the setbacks that you had when you were stepping out trying to do this global thing. Um, Would you be open to sharing a little bit about your cancer story, which also transpired in the midst of a lot of this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I feel that that plays, you know, that's really for me where the jump off came when it comes when, I knew that I needed to make changes. And, and the changes that I made um, between the time that, you know, I, I was diagnosed and the whole, you know, the surgery and different thing that happened and, and you know, the beginning of rules of success and getting out of the commodities, it, it's, it's all a part of the journey. You know, it was one of the things that really, um, well, it, it, it was the reason. It was the first time in my young life that I'd ever recognized that uh, life has a clock on it. And, uh, it's going whether or not you recognize it and you just don't know when it's going to be done. And, uh, so the, the story with that is, uh, you know, it was, um, it was November of, uh, let's say, I believe it was 2013. It hasn't been that long ago. And, uh, I was, uh, ho- hopefully you're okay with me being a little PG 13 here. I want to make sure that's no, fine. That's fine. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I was taking a shower and, you know, washing and, and things. And I, I recognize that, uh, one of my boys downstairs was, uh, really, really hard, like not like, like a rock. And, uh, I, I, I go that, that, that doesn't, that's not good, you know? So I, I made a call to, uh, this guy here in, uh, in Salt Lake that's a doctor. Um, he, he specializes in, you know, vasectomies and different stuff with the, the male parts, and I set up a set up an appointment for a week later, and I I went in, and uh, he said, after it scared the shit out of me. And he, he told me after the exam, he's like, "Yeah, this is not good. This can't stay. You are getting it removed tomorrow." Hmm. So there was no like thought about it. It was just this boom boo boo boom boo really quick thing. I find it a week later. All of a sudden, it's this you know horrible fear. Um, I. I'm hopeful because I I looked into testicular cancer as a thing and you know it's it's it, very few people die from it you know it's just kind of an annoyance you got to get one of those guys removed and so I'm I'm trying to talk myself into this thing that that's not that big a deal but but I was really scared I I didn't know what what was going on anyway go through the surgery and uh, get out of it and and uh, go back and meet with the doctor about a week later. And he goes, look, here's, here's the thing. It, it wasn't a normal tumor. Like a lot of tumors on on your, those things, you know, they they kind of attach like a wart. And uh, yours was kind of starting to devour it. It was, you know, vascularly coming in. Like it was almost like it was trying to, you know, not to be disgusting. Like it was eating this thing. Like it was mm. really trying to take over it. And he said, that's, that's not a good sign, Bryce. I need you to go up to uh, Huntsman Cancer Institute, which here in Salt Lake we're blessed enough to have one of the – one of the best cancer institutes in the country. And uh, so I made an appointment and go up there and uh, ended up talking to the, the doctor up there. And uh, he said, look, here's the thing. We need to do a CAT scan or uh, I get all these, these scan names saying it was a CT scan is what I needed to have done. And uh, because, you know, with it being your right testicle, You know, your aorta flows up the left side, your vena cava flows down the right side. There's all these lymph nodes that are on the right side that uh, usually experience inflammation and cancer before it gets to your testicle. We need to take a look at it and see what's going on there. And so I said, okay. So, you know, a couple of days later I ended up getting the CT scan, come back, and uh, he's like, Well, what I thought, he's like, This is an official diagnosis, Bryce. Like, this is, you know, you you legitimately have cancer, it's in your lymph nodes. We already removed your testicle, this is what we need to do. And he showed me this thing, and there was, you know, these there's all these lymph nodes that are behind your organs in in, in your your vascular system, and and the way that he described it to me was really quite interesting. He says, Here's the thing. Um, for to have happened what has happened for, for this to have happened, it means that there's some issues with your liver. So we'd like to take a closer look at that too. And he described it in this real simple way that basically your liver is like the garbage facility your lymph nodes or the curbs at the can. So if your curbs at the can are getting overflowed, it means there's something happening with your liver and it's not, you know, processing the toxins quick enough. So anyway, I go get the CT scan. Um, um, we have this conversation after that and, and he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the surgery. It's called a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection. You're going to be in the hospital for a week. Um, we're going to slit you from your belly button to your sternum. We're going to go behind your organs. We're going to snip out this inflamed stuff, do the surgery, and, uh, you're going to be out of commission for about two months. Now you can't have any stretch. You can't have any worries during this time. You've got to be able to do this. And oh, by the way, uh, it's going to cost you about a hundred grand and, uh, we need half of that up front. So, um, Enjoy you know go on your way we're going to schedule your surgery so without giving too much information out of respect I, I went to a close friend of mine that had had liver cancer and he had gone about his healing process in an entirely different way than what was recommended he he had all these pains in his side and he went in the doctor and his liver was just speckled with all these tumors and they said look dude you've you're six months <laughs> you're you're you, you're not even you can't even have a transplant you're so far gone so just go get your affairs in order and I mean it was dropped on him in one day Hmm. he doesn't take to criticism well so he decided to uh, look into some other options for himself he went to he, he found this clinic that did a full immersive Gershon therapy in Mexico and for those of you that don't know what Gershon therapy is you should go look it up but it's It's quite simple. You really address your diet, and it really falls in line with a lot of the law of attraction type stuff. In that, there is an energy that's associated with everything that we we ingest into our bodies, and the more that we take accountability for that, the more healthy that we can be. So, you know, there's no processed foods, no sugars. You know, very limited salt. You got to eat the foods the way they come out of the ground. You know, if you do have meat, which is very rare, it's got to be you know no hormones, free range, organic. I mean, it's very very strict. And it also includes this coffee thing that you do to kind of rid your intestines of of toxins and to and to allow your liver some freedom to to really heal quicker. And so he went and did that. Six months later, he's healthy as a horse. And that was you know a decade ago from now. So I'm, I'm calling up and ask about this, and he goes, "Bryce, you really have a choice." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I have a choice." He's like, "No, you like you have a choice. Like you can choose health." I'm like. <laughs> bro, now's not the time for like a lesson on the law of attraction, man. Like mm-hmm. I get it. He's like, no, he's like, let me, let me share with you something. He, and he, he reminded me of his story and he goes, here's the thing. And and, and I don't want to get into to too much of a, a conversation about cancer propping up the medical industry in the United States, but, but there is some suspect things in how cancer is diagnosed and the treatments and the costs and even, you know, how limited that technology is. I mean, you're telling me I can have a phone in my pocket that can, talk to satellites and I can be in touch with anybody across the world. But yet cancer treatments really haven't evolved that much in 80 years. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. So he says, look here, he gave me some resources to think about. So I went back to the doctor and I said, look, I'm going to try therapy on my own. And the doctor thought I was crazy. He thought that's the dumbest move ever. You're basically sealing your own grave. This is not something to mess around with. And I said, I you know, appreciate where you're at. I've, I've come to this thoughtfully and prayerfully and, and it's time for me to do this on my own. So I went back home, totally revamped my diet, stopped drinking, adjusted, started performing these coffee cleanses that helped my body to 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 become more able to, to ward off to metabolize toxin. Changed. I started restarted my meditative practice because I'd let it go a little bit, just trying to get my mind right adjust my fitness routine. I started actually like pushing my body in a way that was, you know, I, I, cause I was probably 45, 50 pounds overweight at that time. Um, it just wasn't the same person I am today. And so <clears throat> I used this opportunity as I see it now as a way to kind of reset my life and to look at things differently. And, uh, I've, I've been given a lot of criticism for the route that I did, but I've also been given a lot of, of, uh, support and, you know, I've gone back and got blood work done and, and it, you know, I'm as healthy as I've ever been my entire life based mm. off of that. So, my, my, it's funny. I, I, one of the, one of the challenges that I, I had wasn't actually the diagnosis or the change in my diet or, or lifestyle. It was stepping into that building. It was like the people that were there and the doctor and everything. It, it was all of a sudden like I was totally expected to shroud myself in this story that now I was a cancer patient and that I had cancer and that I, that was me now. And I was a part of this faded and sordid group of people in, in the world that some make it out, some don't. Now you're fighting this arbitrary devil in cancer and that, you know, it, that that was my lot from then on. And Angus I'm too damn stubborn, man. I'm like, Mm -hmm. that is not me. Like I am that I'm not that guy. I I refuse to allow that to be my story. I'm I'm not going down this way. This isn't it. And fortunately for me, I feel blessed enough that uh, I was able to make those changes and, and, you know, here three years and change in, I, I I don't regret any, any decision that was made along that way.
1: Hmm. It's thank you so much for sharing that in the process I know what it's like to lose a business. I know what it's like to lose a job. I know what that fear and that incapacitating, heart-pulpitating, feel-my-face-go-flush, crippling and paralyzing fear. Yeah. What were some of the techniques you used to combat that?
0: well red wine works great uh Mm -hmm. i'm just kidding (laughs) um
1: i'm not (laughs) well
0: actually that's that's a great that's a great point i mean Mm -hmm. oftentimes i know for myself even even current day you know i'll I'll sedate fear and challenges with things that don't serve me Mm -hmm. and then you know the on the other side of it you're like yeah that was kind of dumb i i've learned my lesson or i have it, and i'll just do it again but Mm But the healthy things, I'll say, that have helped me to, to avoid that and to, to step from a, a, an energy and a space of fear into a space of neutrality and then into a space of positivity, which I think it's important to distinguish that because a lot of times people think like, oh, I'm just going to think differently. It's like, well, no, that's not how physics of this work. Like you have to if you're in a negative spot, you don't just jump to a positive place like there's a transition and it's a transition through neutrality. So for me, meditation wor- works a lot. I've noticed um, a common th- thread in some of my close friends, associates, and other people that, that uh, you know, really are deliberately trying to figure out that equation of how do I do this. Creative expression actually mm. is something that really helps that because it allows us to tap into this divine part of ourselves where we're actually in the moment we are creating. Where whether it be playing music or singing or writing poetry or sports or any of those things where you're taking this this body of yours, this soul of yours and putting it in motion to to create something that's bigger than you, that's not that's inside of you, but you're not aware of it, and it allows it to come out. Something about that cleanses fear and cleanses hurt and cleanses resentment and all sorts of things. So I I completely encourage people to, you know, find a find a hobby, find a way to to express yourself creatively, especially in those moments of, of despair and fear, because it, it usually ends up being the transition out of it. I find it to be no coincidence that a lot of the most beautiful songwriting and paintings that have been painted, movies that have been created, have have been born from sadness and, and challenge. And uh, it, it works for me, and I'm, I'm sure that it could work for others as
1: they as they do it themselves. Well, Bryce, I really appreciate you sharing that. You know, we do call the show up in your business. So I I, I had to... <laughs> I'm know, an open book, man. You I had to you go there. <laughs> cool. Well, let's give you one more opportunity, um, you know, in our, as we bring this in for landing, what are one, what, what's one more nugget that you would want people to leave this conversation with? Um, you know,
0: being on this side of the microphone is, is always different. Being interviewed instead of being an interviewer, and uh, right now as I think through your question, you know I, I have experiences coming to mind where I'm on the other side of it, where I'm the guy asking the questions, and 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 uh, I, I guess what what comes is that, you know, to you listener, the the guy right now, the woman right now that's got your earbuds in, you're listening to this. Um, I I, I want to be real for a second with you. I'm sitting here on a conversation with Angus and he's asking these great questions and everything. And naturally I want to put my best foot forward and uh, share with you a story that's easy to ingest and that can, that you can find some sort of inspiration for your own life in. And part of that is uh, letting you know that, you know, I'm, I I can say some nice things and make it sound like I've got my shit together, but I don't all the time. I mean, success and entrepreneurship and just being human, it's, it's a sum of all of these moving parts and some of those moving parts include rage and anger and doing dumb things and, and being, being less than who we are. And I am, I'm that guy, too. I, I've got a lot of things that I feel very confident about in my life, and I've got a lot of things I'm still working on. And it's no means perfect. I, my, my, uh, my past sometimes comes back to haunt me, and I am not you know this shining beacon on a hill by any means. I'm just somebody that uh, decided to take another step the next day. So if you can take anything from that that, that, that there's, there's, there's no perfection out there. It's, it's a farce. And if somebody tries to act like that's the case, run, turn around and run. Cause it's not worth it. It's just, it's a lie.
1: I always say that when you show yourself vulnerable, you give others permission to do the same. Yeah. Thank you for giving us that opportunity. If people want to get a hold of you, Bryce, how can they do so?
0: Reach out to me on my socials. I am Mr. Prescott. I'm all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me there. Um, just I am Mr. Prescott on Twitter is probably the, the, the shortest way to do it.
1: Fantastic. Well, Bryce, thanks for coming, for sharing your heart, for sharing a piece of you. Appreciate you.
0: Love you too, buddy. See you.
1: Thanks so much to Bryce for his time and most certainly the candidness that he brought about in this conversation. And my hope is that if you're listening and you are an entrepreneur, I want you to see that you are not alone. Uh, No matter what your struggle, no matter what you're facing, I want you to know that others have gone before you and others have been where you're at. So may you be encouraged that being in the midst of the fire, know that that's part of the process and uh, you're going to make it. Uh, In the season when our culture really idolizes entrepreneurship and, and makes it sound really sexy, Make sure that you also realize and recognize that it's also not easy. It takes a ton of courage and perseverance. And for every one that succeeds, there's probably five to ten that fail. And I guess if there's any secret uh, to any of it, it's just that you have to keep showing up. Even when it's hard, even when you feel scared, even when you simply want to throw up your hands or maybe you just want to throw up. Keep a good circle of trusted confidants around you, people who have your back, that they will show you support and encouragement and even shoot straight with you. That is about the core of what you need in the midst of all of that stuff. So no matter what happens, again, I want you to know you're going to get through this and you're going to survive. No matter what that looks like in the end, whether it just goes gangbusters or whether the whole thing just deflates, you're going to get through this. Don't see the moment you're feeling today dictate what you're going to experience tomorrow. All of this is a process. So if you're listening to this and you are not an entrepreneur, I hope that you've appreciated this refreshingly, honest insight into that world and hopefully you can extract some great pieces uh to apply to your own life. And thank you all for joining me today. I don't count this um as something that I take for granted ever and I just want to just say I really appreciate you being a part of uh this show. If you have questions or thoughts Uh, about today's show, please reach out and ask me on Twitter. I'm at Angus Nelson. If you're looking for any of the links and show notes, uh, links to the books that he uh, referred to, I'll have all of that in our uh, show notes. You can find that at AngusNelson.com forward slash zero five nine. Other than that, I am your host, Angus Nelson. Go ahead and tell your friends about this show because the greatest compliment you can give is a referral to someone else. Go ahead and tell somebody today about this show. I really appreciate it. Keep taking your business up by getting up in your business. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self awareness. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up in Your Business
0: podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's
1: .co.com.